Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. Been working on a sermon. We took a break last week, had a great service, baptism, communion, all the all the things that we celebrate, all the elements were here, and uh, so we, we did that, and it was a great Sunday. If you weren't here, you missed out on a really, really good Sunday. Um, but before that, I was working on, and have been working on since the first of the year, just talking about our 2020 vision. And I've been sharing about Elijah and Elisha, and just taking a look at them, seeing what we can figure out, just uh, the Lord kind of led me there, and the scripture in particular was in 2 Kings uh, chapter 2, and we're not going to read it. We've read it enough. You probably know it as well as I do now. But the end result of it was Elijah's going to heaven, and Elisha, his understudy, his helper in ministry, is with him, and the chariot of fire comes down out of heaven, separates them, takes Elijah up to heaven, the mantle falls, and Elisha does not put the mantle on, Probably out of reverence and respect, Elijah was more like his father than a co-worker. Uh, whenever Elijah w- went up in that chariot of fire, he cried out, My father, my father! In other words, he had an attachment to him emotionally. So he picks up the mantle, and he walks back to the Jordan, the river, and instead of uh, just doing what Elijah had just done, which was smiting the river with it, he holds it up to heaven, and he said, Where? is the God of Elijah. And then he, he smites the river, the river parts, and he walks across, signifying that he did indeed have that double portion of anointing that Elijah had. But the question that I have presented in all this is, my question is not, where's the God of Elijah, but where are the Elijahs and Elishas of God? You know, God still calls people. God still calls people into ministry. God still calls people into his service. We're not all called to do the same thing. If you look at the Old Testament, I think when things really were going the way God intended and according to the plan of God, it was whenever the kings and the priests worked together. That was whenever Israel was in its heyday. Whenever David was king and he worked with the priest and everybody was on the same page, everything went smoothly. The kingdom of Israel progressed and expanded and was larger than any other time. Uh, Solomon was a king that respected the things of God. When he worked together with the priest, it was always good. Uh, That represents, in my opinion, the two powers that are at our availability on this earth. The kings know how to make things happen in the, in the social world, the, the business world, if you will. And the priests know how to make things happen in the spiritual realm. And so when you've got those two things working together is when things absolutely positively work together like God intended. And the, the priests provide the vision and the kings provide the provision. Amen? Because you can have a vision and if you don't have any provision, it's not going to happen. And you can have provision and not have a vision, and things aren't going to happen the way God wants them to. So it's whenever the kings and the priests work together as one that everything happens good. And so we've been looking at who, who are and where are the Elijahs of God. And in my life, and, and we haven't really delved off into this much, through the years I've had opportunity to work with a lot of people. 
and uh, sometimes people really, really, man, the Lord's calling them to do it. You can see it on them, and you see the anointing functioning in their life, and they begin to do what God's called them to do, and it is so very, very amazing to sit back and watch. Uh, We're blessed right now. I, I was thinking about while we were in worship. Zach up here, center stage, leading the worship, doing a fantastic job, and I thought about 10 years ago. When I came here, that Zach was a little quiet fella that sat in the back of the room if he, if he was in here and not helping out with Children's Church and, and how God has blossomed him into, into ministry. And, and, then, and then Jonathan comes along. Jonathan's in here, so go ahead and bless Jonathan. Uh, uh, Jonathan comes along, and, and, and you could see the anointing. You could see God working in his spirit. And, and now he and Danielle are... are our youth leaders. And whenever you get an opportunity to be a part of something like that, you see that God's calling is on all of us. Well, they got quiet. Thank you, Lisa, for an amen. Um, God has a calling on all of us. All right, and a few more came along. Uh, that calling is not all the same. So don't get nervous like God's going to call me to preach or God's going to call me to teach or be a missionary or all that. But God is working in us all the time. Again, back to what I was saying a while ago, kings and priests. There are some people that God anoints to be successful business people. Amen. There are some people that God calls it to, to go into ministry. And, and again, that's, that anointing is no lesser than if God's calling you into business. Do you realize that the Bible is chock full of business principles? Anytime you see somebody that's successful in the business world, guarantee you, put your bottom dollar on it, they have either figured out or stumbled upon some biblical principle that works. Okay? See, here's the thing. When, it, when a farmer goes out into his field and he tills the ground and he prepares it and he puts a seed in there, what's going to happen? It's not a trick question here. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to come up. If he planted a corn seed, it's going to produce a corn plant. If he, produ- if he put, planted a bean seed, it's going to come up as beans. If he planted tomatoes, it's going to be... If he planted bananas, it's going to come up as bananas. Now, is that just happenstance? The Lord said, seed time and harvest is going to continue until the very end comes. Whether that person is a Christian or not a Christian, it's going to work. Why? Because they either knew or stumbled upon a biblical principle. I've seen people that I knew weren't saved tithe and give to the church, and God absolutely blessed their socks off. Why? Malachi chapter 3, bring your tithe into the storehouse. See if he won't open up the windows of heaven. Pour out a blessing that there won't be room enough to contain it. Is there anything in that promise that says you've got to be saved? Fact is, he was talking to the Jews in the Old Testament when he made that promise. But is it a principle? Yes. I mean, there's so many times that we... We think, you know, it's just going to happen a certain way. It's always us stumbling upon or realizing or knowing some principle that's already in this word. 
seed time and harvest, tithing, all these things. They're principles that if we do it, he guarantees an outcome. And so what we've got to do is realize that if we acknowledge, listen for the voice of God, that he's going to speak to us. It might be some principle in the business world. It might be something that comes along. Yes, sometimes it might even seem crazy. Amen? Do you realize that at one point in time, there were no cars? And somebody said, aha, I think I'm going to motorize the thing with some wheels on it. And, and guess what happened? Now, I've known people through the years. I knew one guy years and years and years ago. He said, man, I've got this idea. He said, there's a lot of people that don't have, this is way back. That we're getting to jump in the way back machine here. This is, this is probably mid-80s. And he said, there's so many people that don't have a fireplace in their home, but they'd like to have a fire in the evening. And he said, this was when VCRs had just really gotten popular and everybody was having them. He said, I think it'd be awesome to film um, a fire in a fireplace and just put that on the TV. You could just rewind the tape, start it, it'd be a fresh fire, and then it'd burn down to the embers. And he said, this is awesome. I said, man, you ought to, you ought to do something with that. And he just never did, never did. Next thing you know, it was on television. Most of you remember there was a point in time whenever that, man, that was a big thing. You'd send off, and I told him, I said, there you go. I said, fireplace, an aquarium. You don't have to clean it. You don't have to feed the fish. All, all this kind of stuff. Man, you, you've got a million-dollar idea. And sometimes we get million-dollar ideas, and we dismiss it as crazy. And I think it's God speaking to us to do something in the kingdom. And so ultimately, it comes down to this. I think God's working on all of us, whether it's business, whether it's ministry, but all those work together for the good of, of the kingdom. And if we're going to be Elijah's and Elisha's and Elijah-ets and, and Elisha-ets, you know, the Bible doesn't leave the women folk out. Deborah was a judge. Uh, you, in the New Testament, you got Priscilla. And, and, and so the Lord doesn't leave the women folk out. I think God's calling all of us to do something for the kingdom. And so if we're going to be that Elijah and Elisha, then we talked about it. If you missed it, you can go back and catch it. Zach, Zach is, is pretty, pretty close by on posting the sermons online. But the first one was stood up for what they believed. Even sometimes when it cost them something. Then we started working on that they listened for the voice of God. And we made it very, very clear. God speaks. 2,500 times in that Bible from the beginning to the end. If you include all the God said, the Lord said, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit said. Uh, all those things included. There's about 2,500 times according to the translation that you're using and what concordance you're using. You're going to find about 2,500 times it speaks of the Lord speaking. So God, who is a spirit, that's what the Bible tells us, he is, he is a spirit, and if we're going to worship him, we've got to worship him in spirit and in truth, but if he's a spirit, then he's going to speak to our spirit. Now, there have been people, and I've, I've even talked to a few, a few in, in this congregation that said, yes, I've heard an audible voice of the Lord. I'm not discounting that. But the majority of the time, the Lord, and we covered it, covered it lots. The Lord speaks in various and sundry ways. Do not eliminate anything. Do not, 
do not perceive how your encounter with the Lord is going to be. Because you'll miss it. I mean, he spoke through a donkey. He, he speaks through various and sundry ways. He speaks in, in prophecy. He speaks in messages and tongues, interpretation of tongues, and, and all these different ways. So don't discount any method by which the Lord might speak to you. But ultimately, we've got to listen for that voice. We've got to realize that he still does speak. Then we talked about to cultivate an open mind, and, and that, that covers that a whole bunch. Don't, don't uh, you know, don't, again, don't shut the door to how God is going to speak to you. It might be a, a redundancy. I've talked about that many, many times. There have been times in my life whenever I would turn on the television and somebody was speaking of, of some, one certain issue reading a certain scripture, whatever it was. And I might turn on the radio when I got into the truck and head somewhere, and that would be the same subject matter. And then I might pick up a devotional and might turn to the page that I'm supposed to be on for that certain day, and all of a sudden, there it is. That's whenever you say, aha, uh-huh. This is not happening just by happenstance. This is happening because God's speaking to me. Now, what is he saying to me so uh, uh cultivate that open mind open heart to what he's doing what he's saying to us and again don't get caught up in how god's gonna speak to you because it's most likely gonna come at a time when you're not expecting it i have known people through the years that thought god was speaking to them when he wasn't speaking to them i knew this one lady and she was just so hungry for a spiritual experience and she told it on herself. She said she was on the way home one evening. And, uh, you know, she had been just, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. You know, about this certain thing that was going on in her life. And so she's driving down the highway. And she says, all of a sudden, she starts hearing something like wind. And she said, instantly, I thought, of, you know, like that mighty Russian wind in the book of Acts, how God was going to speak. And then she realized that the switch on her door panel had shorted out, and it was the passenger window had let itself down. Amen? Sometimes we get hungry for the Spirit. You know, it's like the, the bush isn't burning, and I'm all out of matches. God's, God may speak to you out of a burning bush. He may not. God may speak to you through a donkey. He may not. God may simply use this word, that, this love letter that we call a Bible to speak to you when you're reading it one day. It might be that, just that unction that we get, that, that little something, something that's on the inside that you know God's showing you something that you ought to be doing or, the, or some direction that you need to head, whatever it is. Again, don't get caught up in all that. Don't be, don't be looking for a super spiritual experience. Uh, because it might be not uh, it might be a false one listen for the true voice of god jesus said this my sheep know my voice they'll not listen to another and sometimes we get kind of hungry for a spiritual experience i knew i'm telling on somebody here there's nobody you know but uh, in a previous church i had a person that worked under me and kind of like zach does if i go on vacation zach fills in for me this guy would fill in for me. And it, it was just a nerve-wracking week for him whenever it was his turn to preach. 
I mean, he would just—he would just almost just get himself tied up in knots, it, it, it worrying about what he was going to say. And I—he I, took it seriously, and I do appreciate that. But I got back from vacation one time, and he said, "Man, he said I'm just fretting over what I'm going to preach," and, and and he said, "I think there's a demon in this church office." And I said, "Really?" And he said, yeah, he said, man, I'm in here Saturday night before Sunday morning. He said, I'm just praying and trying to figure out what I'm, I'm reading my Bible and just praying. And he said, I heard something growl and hiss. And he said, so I started rebuking it in Jesus' name. And he said, seemed like everything kind of cleared out. And he said, in a little bit, it did it again. And he said, finally, he said, I just got out of here. He said, I finally went home. And I said, okay, I said, just, just go in your office where you were praying and reading your Bible. And I said, let me see about this. So he went in his office and shut the door, and I went over there to the air freshener. And I reached high because it was high, up high on the wall, and I opened up the air freshener, and I hit the button to make it spray again. And uh, sure enough, it went, row. <laughs> I said, is that it? He said, yeah, that's it. What did you find? And I said, it's an air freshener. And I said, that rascal, I'd been having an eye on it for some time now. I thought it was, you know. So anyway, what I'm telling you is, in the way that you think God's going to speak to you, it probably won't happen that way. If you're looking for a burning bush, almost guarantee you it's not going to be in a burning bush. So ultimately, keep an open heart and open mind to what God's going to say to you. Uh, number two, allocate time. This is probably one of our biggest issues in our day and time is not taking time to listen. And I'm throwing myself under the bus here with you because most of us are about the same. We never have downtime anymore. Because if we're in a doctor's office or waiting on somebody for something, what's the first thing we do? Let's play a little bejeweled or whatever, the candy crush or whatever it is. And so we don't allow our mind to focus on God. We don't allow the opportunity for God to come in in that, in that still, small voice. Because see, here's the thing. God is a gentleman. Um, among other things, he is a gentleman. He will not jump up and down. He will not scream. A lot of times, it's just a whisper. Sometimes it's just whenever we get still for a moment and let him work on what he's already planted in here. Again, I'm, I'm one of these, I, I believe in prophecy, but I don't believe in prophecies that are just out of the blue. I've known people, and, and here's the thing, I'm not, I'm not diminishing that ministry at all, because God still does have people that he works through to give prophecy. But when they've got a prophecy for everybody in the room, that's troubling to me. Because I think it's a rare thing when God does that. And it's not going to be like, I'm going to call, call you out and say, God's called you to preach, God's called you to be a missionary or whatever, and you never thought of it before. Again, I knew one guy, he went to a revival like that, and the preacher called him out, you're going to be a preacher. You're going to be an evangelist. Well, he went, and quit. the next week, I kid you not, quit his job, took what money he had, and bought a camper because he knew God was going to put him on the road as an evangelist. And that camper sat there till the wheels rotted off of it. 
If it's the first time you've ever heard it, measure it by this word. Paul says in Ephesians, test the prophets and see whether they be of God or not. That was one of the things that the church in Ephesus was dealing with, was everybody was given prophecies. Not all of them were from God. So ultimately, take that time. Listen, let it bear witness with you. Uh, all the way through the Word, New Testament, you see Jesus took time to be alone and quiet with God. It was, it was early, it was light, it was whenever he got a chance to steal away by himself that he took that moment. And, and, and here's the thing. Again, this, this Scripture is one of the loudest voices that God has in our time, and we got to listen whenever we're reading it. Don't just, don't just read it to be checking off a list. I'm all about having a plan, and let's do a certain amount of reading every day, and you get through the Bible in a year. I've done that I don't know how many times. But sometimes we, we're just reading it to be reading it instead of reading it to be hearing. Because you, you can read it without hearing it. And what we've got to do is read it, hear it, let the Lord speak to us. So allocate time. First cultivate that open heart and mind. Then allocate time to be with him. And the average person... Again, if you weren't here back in the fall when I preached about these, the average person spends 3.5 hours a day on this thing right here. You can look it up under your settings and see how, how bad you are. And there have been times, in fact, is mine. I don't know if yours is like that. It report, mine reports to me every Sunday what the last week looked like. And dead gummit, <laughs> last week was 3 hours and 31 minutes. So, I mean, I'm one minute above average for this last time. 3.5 hours is what most of us spend on this. Now, granted, a lot of that was looking up something or, or reading something that, and when I had a minute, but ultimately it comes down to these things can consume a whole lot of our time and take away from us allocating that time to hear from God. Enough said. Eliminate the distractions, and that, that's part of that. But sometimes what happens is we get caught up in what's going on around us. We get caught up with worries. One of the things that Jesus told his disciples, my, my third favorite scripture, <laughs> John chapter 14, don't let your heart be troubled. They were trying to figure out how this was going to happen. They knew Jesus had been crucified. You know, all these different things. Don't let your heart be troubled. Stop worrying about stuff. And some of us just... If there's nothing to worry about, we worry because there's nothing to worry about. Amen? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I talked to a guy one time, and he said, uh, I said, how you doing? He said, well, pretty good, I guess. I said, well, that don't sound very, very good. And he said, well, he said, actually, everything's going pretty smooth. And I said, then why not say that? And he said, well, because I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I mean, you know, it's like we're, we're just expecting something to happen. And so the thing is, instead of worrying, what we need to do is give it to the Lord and, and allow Him to take that time, build us up spiritually, build our, build our faith up, all those things that we need to get through it when tough times come. But alert, eliminate all those distractions. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's people. There are certain people in our lives, and don't look around. During this, keep your eyes on me. Keep you out of trouble. Don't look down the aisle. But there are certain people when you see their name come up on your caller ID, 
It's just it's like somebody unplugged you. Amen? Don't leave me up here by myself. You know who I'm talking about. All of us have, have at least one. Somebody calls and you see that on the caller ID and it's like, oh my goodness. And I mean, the, you pick up the phone, it's woe is this and that's terrible. And I, I mean, when you hang up from them, you feel like you need a nap. And, and there are other people that are the hot air balloon in your life. You can be down and out, and they can call, and by the time you get through talking to them, you feel like the weight of the world's been lifted off your shoulder. I'm not saying don't ever answer the one that deflates you, but answer the ones that lift you up a whole lot more. <laughs> Hang up on the one and call the one that lifts you up. Ultimately, it comes down to this. Eliminate those distractions. Sometimes we need to hit the, the call silence button. Especially if we're seeking something from the Lord. We're wanting to hear from Him. Sometimes it's the best thing we can do is just eliminate all those things. Sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes it's things that, that we need to think about our distractions and this good stuff. See, we have first world problems here. I told you a couple of weeks ago, uh, Angie had walked out into the garage to get something that we had on the shelf or something. And she, I, I heard her holler, Oh, Philip, come here! And she's out working security, so I can talk about her while she's out of here. Uh, and, and, I mean, it was like I felt like I'd been gut punched. And some of you husbands know that. You just know by the tone of your wife's voice there is something not good. This is not to call me out there and say, look, I found a $20 bill in an old coat or something. It's a, it was a negative. It was a negative. So I walk out there, water seeping out of the water heater and, and across the garage floor. I knew what my next 24 hours was going to look like. And, and, you know, that's first world problems. There's people in this world that, number one, they don't have clean water to heat up. And number two, they surely couldn't afford a water heater. And if they could afford a water heater, they couldn't afford the gas to heat it up. Amen? So it's, that's a blessing problem. And, and so ultimately it comes down to this. Sometimes we get so tangled up in all of our stuff, our stuff and things, that sometimes we, we, it hinders us from being able to hear from the Lord. Sometimes we got to realize, hey, it's just stuff and things, and I need to take a minute here and seek the Lord. Amen? And number four, and this is, this is the last of this particular point of listening for the voice of God, cooperate. Once you hear, once you know what God has said, God is speaking to you, you've heard it, however it came, and you acknowledge it, then the last thing you've got to do is cooperate with what God says. And sometimes we leave that, this, this particular point off. We've heard from God and we're good. We've got to cooperate with what God says. James says don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. James, I've always called the book of James the gospel with boots on. Because he is all about doing something. You, you, you tell me you've got faith, I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, God's called me to do something. I'm a believer in God. I'm going to be about doing something. James put his boots on and, and got to work. And ultimately, that's what we've got to do. Whatever it is, whatever it is that God has spoken to your heart, you've got to do it. You've got to put some, put some feet on your faith. And do began to move out. Yes, again, it does not always make sense. I can tell you story after story after story about when God's called me to do something and it hadn't made sense. 
that it took a whole lot of courage and a whole lot of faith to step out in it. Why? Because by the world's measurement, I was loony. I walked away from a plant job where I had been there already for 13 years. I was a lead man on my shift. And God said, I want you to go into full-time ministry. I want you to leave the security and, the, as I've always called it, the golden handcuffs because it was good pay, good benefits, lots of time off. I had maxed out already in those 13 years. After 12 years, you maxed out on vacation. I had every reason in the world not to. And there were people that I worked with that came up even the last night that I was there and said, are you sure you know what you're doing? That builds your faith. <laughs> I'm just telling you, if God initiated it, God will carry it through. The, the thing that we got to do, you, you look in the Old Testament, whenever this was, this was after all the, all the other times that the Red Sea had parted, but this is fixing to end their journey in the Transjordan. And the, the priest and Joshua, and they were just fixing to go in and take the promised land. And they walk up to the edge of the Jordan River, and it is out of its banks, and it's overflowing. It's the springtime of the year, and it's like, is this crazy? Yes, let's wait till August whenever it's dry, and there ain't much water to tread. And God marches them up to that river and says... When you take the first step, the water's going to recede and you're going to walk over as if on dry ground. Now you read that account in the Old Testament and it wasn't just that the waters parted, it was that these went on down the river and this one piled up. See that number right there? Oh, come on, somebody do it. It's not just like it stopped. The water was still flowing, and so as they were marching across, this wall of water just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If they'd have never taken that first step, they'd still be stuck there on the east side of the Jordan. They'd have never went in and received what God had for them. When God says it, regardless if it's logical, regardless if it makes sense, if that's what God is saying, and you know that you know that you know that you know that God has said it, guess what? 